Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, resolving conflict with internal support providers. Here we go. You know, Mark, internal support providers, you know, the folks like IT, printing, HR, accounts receivable, all those kind of guys are incredibly valuable resources to the company, right? It's what allows sales folks to do what they do. It's what allows marketing folks to do what they do. It allows manufacturing to do what they do. Folks, we could not survive without them. Absolutely. Yeah. Without both, companies wouldn't even exist. Right. Yet, (laughs) if you're in a support organization, often the relationship between you and those folks, yeah, let's uh, let's say it this way, not absolutely the best relationship you've probably ever had. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And and basically, in this cast, we're going to provide a simple mindset, a simple strategy to reduce the conflict and help you work with an internal support provider in order for you to get what you want and particularly for you to get what you want when you really, really need it. It'll make you more efficient and it'll make you more effective. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, exactly. Look, and really what it is is a mindset change, but of course we don't teach mindset changes here as much as we teach behavior, right? So we're going to recommend four specific behaviors that will improve your relationship. And we're also going to spend a minute talking about why we think the mindset is the way it is nowadays. But anyway, here are the four major things. First, we're going to recommend apologize first. Apologies work. We have a podcast on apologies. They're not hard. The second thing we recommend you do is state your goal. Support providers hate long stories, usually. What they want is to know how they can help you specifically. Number three, you specifically ask rather than telling them what you need or what you want. And then lastly, our our more strategic recommendation, point four, is move your interaction to earlier in the process. In other words, don't wait until you have to save it. Rather, create a relationship that allows you to make sure they're going to do what you want because they know you and because they know what you want. Good. All right. Well, let's go to my my favorite, as you know, which is you got to apologize first. (laughs) That's a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah. And of course, look, there are a lot more support providers than we mentioned. Let me start by saying the classic one for so many people in today's world is IT, particularly in technology companies where IT does more than just provide internal support. They also play a key role operationally in the company. In many, many digital companies today, it's the IT backbone that provides billing and, and essentially cash flow. And unfortunately, there is a mentality among support providers who know they are not necessarily indispensable, but very important at certain times. There is a mentality that has been bred of this whole collaborative mindset that we're going to be your partner and um, we're equivalent to you. And when you ask us something, you have to be very polite about it. Or if you upset us, we're not going to like it. Uh, My son Drake showed me a a sign on a website he likes, which says, if the help desk doesn't like your question, we will set you on fire, which is pretty funny. But, you know, in all humor, there's truth. Yeah, just a little bit, right? Yeah. And so what happens is they're in a subordinate role. They're in a support role. 
but they attempt to step up to your level if let's say you're in marketing or you're in sales and you need some support and if there's a tug of war the external or you know the, the one that needs support escalates and there's just a, a cascade if you will of escalation in the wrong direction so it's important to recognize that this cast does say we know you outrank, and that's a, that's a bad word, we know you outrank them internally in terms of the pecking order, but insisting on your outrankingness, if you will, is not an effective way to go about getting what you want now, and more importantly, getting what you want more often, especially when you need it, okay? Now, I, I focus on IT, but look, the list you mentioned is not an exhaustive list. It could be a much longer list. It could be one person at a smaller company that does a bunch of things. It even could be contractor or outside company in some organizations that are maybe mid-size. Nevertheless, it does seem like today, more and more support organizations make it harder and harder, and they have lots of rules that make sense to them and help justify their existence, but are hard for us to understand. And Look, they don't do it just to be irritable. They do it because it makes sense to them. But if we don't understand it, it's only because it doesn't make sense to us. And it probably makes sense to them because they're not doing things that are intentionally stupid. Okay? And look, if you're in IT and, and somebody talks about the form that you want them to fill out, says this is too long or whatever, if you're in IT, you're probably thinking right now, hey, we need all that information on the form in order to make sure we get the right version of the software and make sure we have the right version of your operating system. And... It's not that hard for people to fill out the form. It makes our life a great deal easier, keeps our costs down. And so the IT person says, why can't you just do it? And you know, wh why do you people want to make our lives difficult? And look, that's really, in a way, the crux of this cast. The customer departments, the internal, maternally supported departments, don't understand why they need to fill a form and what, what it, how it works, what they have to do, and why those rules exist. And frankly, most of them are almost convinced they can get out of them, right? And that the support organization is just making it harder. Right. They also suffer from, we talk about academic creep, right? You're a teacher, you've been teaching for 10 years, and you think that the latest class is stupider than the first class you taught us. Well, they're not getting more stupid. Yeah. You're just right. getting smarter. Yeah. Academic creep. Right. Yeah. And, and the support organizations, they know their stuff, right? They know yep. what they're doing, and they can't understand why you're so stupid, and you don't understand why they need it, right? Yeah, exactly. Look, let's say you're in marketing. You've just had some outside consultants come in and give you training on, say, one-on-ones feedback and coaching. They were great, right? And now Maggie, who is their operations person, is on the phone asking when an invoice is going to get paid. You sent the invoice to accounts a month ago, and you expected it to be paid. Okay, now you're embarrassed that Manager Tools hasn't been paid. You're worried you look bad and frustrated you have to follow up with somebody else. You get on the phone and say to the first person who picks up, why haven't you paid this invoice? And look, at that point, they don't know who you are, which invoice you're talking about. So they're less than helpful. You've hurt their feelings. A week goes past. You get called again, and now you're really mad. But the worst thing you can do in this situation is call them and be angry, right? Just think about it. If somebody called you in an angry tone, told you you weren't doing your job properly, what would your reaction be? <laughs> I'd be mad. Unprintable, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, the first, our first recommendation here is to apologize. We know you're angry, we know it's their fault, and you don't know why you're apologizing. But let's assume for a moment that accounts receivable or accounts payable did everything they were supposed to according to the information they had. 
is it possible you don't understand what your role is and you may not have followed the rules? Maybe the rules have changed and they haven't told everybody. Admittedly, perhaps their fault, but in their mind, you haven't followed the rules. The rules exist to make the organization run smoothly and effectively, not to make things difficult for people, even though they sometimes do. I heard um, Meg Whitman once say, uh, the former CEO of eBay, say one of the most important things she learned in her career was assume positive intent, right? They, people don't intend to make things harder, but things do end up harder, right? Assume that what people do makes sense to them and is generally in their best interest, even if that's not in the best interest of the company all the time, right? So if you assume good intent from the person you're talking to, apologize, right? And what we're trying to do is get what we want and reduce the tension and reduce the conflict. So you say, I'm sorry, I sent this invoice on the 1st of July, thought it would have been paid by now, I must be missing something, can you help me with this? Now look, don't do this if you can't sound like you mean it, and then continue to sound like you mean it. If you're angry, I must be missing something, sounds like an accusation. You know, being rude, while apologizing, completely diminishes, eliminates the apology, and actually makes things worse, right? And despite how good it feels in the moment to be rude or snide or mean, it doesn't help, it doesn't work. If you can't sound like you mean it when you apologize, wait to have a communication with them when you can sound like you mean it. Yeah, what, what if you don't think you're wrong? What if you're right, as we often are? Okay, you apologize anyway, and here's why. Hmm. An apology has the effect of calming the situation and allow everyone to move on to not fault-finding, but fact-finding and problem-solving, and not blame-slinging, if you will. And I think people mistakenly believe that an apology is a sign of weakness, whereas, in fact, an apology is just expressing regret. I regret that we haven't gotten this done, I regret that I might have done something that made things more difficult. And an apology is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of strength, in fact, that you're, you're able to show respect. So even if you don't think you're wrong, apologize anyway. Say, I'm sorry. I perhaps did something wrong. I'd like to fix it. You know, I must be missing something. Can you help me? Yeah. This goes back to Louise Charles telling me, Mike, stop worrying about being right and start worrying about yeah. being effective, right? Exactly, yep. You can be right and not get what you want, and that's not going to get you very far. Right, and that's what we want here, right? We, <laughs> we need support from this organization, yeah. and that, that's our goal. Okay. You know, th there is a name internally in organizations for people who constantly seek to be right, even at the expense of being effective. They're called jerks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the next step is state your goal. Why is that so important? Look, if you've been in a support role, you know that half of the problem with serving internal customers is not whether or not you can do what they asked, but understanding what they want in the first place. And half the time, if not more, people call and start complaining. But you're just answering the phone, or you're not the one that acted on their thing, you don't understand all the background. And if people start accusing, you start building a case for why that isn't the case, and then they feel like there's conflict and more conflict and so on. Yeah, often they're just they're just completely vague as to what they want. They're completely exactly. unstructured yeah. and frankly, sometimes just incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah. So as a customer, if you want somebody to help you, be as clear as you can possibly be on what you need. 
start with the request for help. You know, in a way, it's just like our delegation model. The person's agreement to help means that they change the way they're listening and thinking about a solution for you. So you could say, can you help me? I need to send this parcel to Arkansas. It has to be there by 9 a.m. on Wednesday. Or would you help me? I have a contractor arriving on Monday at 9 a.m. I need him to have access to buildings two and three and the cold rooms. Or are you able to help me? I need to take this laptop on a trip to Belarus. I'll need email access on it. That's all. Essentially, you tell them exactly what problem you want solved. In that moment, very quickly after you've apologized, they know whether they can and that you also distinguish yourself from all the other customers who complain rather than describing what their problem is. Being, frankly, on the support side of the organization much of my career, it feels like something's just being thrown over the fence, right? That there's no skin in the game for the individual asking. I need this. You need to provide it. Now go get it. Is there anything that the asker can do to mitigate that a little bit? Yeah. If there's one thing that we know, asking is way more powerful. Continuing to ask is way more powerful than stating, right? So after you've stated your goal and asked them to help you, ask them, what do I need to do for you to help me achieve this, right? And that sounds, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're basically making yourself part of the solution. You and the, and the person you're speaking to are now a team. You're not fixing blame. You're solving the problem that you have together. You're on the same side. It totally changes the whole dynamic of your interaction. You no longer become adversaries when you say, what do I need to do? What can I do to help you get this done? What, what do I need to do for you to help me achieve this? It also gives them the opportunity, and this is really important in this step, to explain the rules to you. Yeah, yeah, you can have your parcel delivered, but only if you fill out the FedEx form and put your employee number in this special box. You can have your contractor on site, but only if you provide a social security number by the close of business on Thursday. All those little things, which the other party knew and you didn't, the things that would have tripped you up, you now know, and you can do something about them, okay? It's also possible they will tell you you can't have what you want, but because you're in a collaborative space, because you've asked two questions, can you help me, here's my goal, what can I do to help you, help me achieve this, they're much more likely to give you a different solution. You know, you can take your laptop to Belarus, but you can't have email on it. On the other hand, he can give you a loaner Blackberry for email, and that satisfies the security requirement that he's gotta worry about. Now, if you're not collaborative, if you've made statements, then what you get is, nope, you can't take a laptop to Belarus with email on it. Now, wouldn't you rather hear, yeah, you can take your laptop. Unfortunately, you can't have email on it, but I can give you a BlackBerry and I'll help you set it up, right? But if you ask specifically, I've got to have email on this laptop and he knows you can have email on this laptop and you've made it confrontational, he's going to say, nope, I'm sorry, you can't do it, right? You don't get any sense of creativity, any willingness to help you solve your problem, all they are doing now is defending their rules, and to a degree, rightfully so. Yeah, you've constrained their options too much. Exactly, yep. To take these actions after you've created the conflict seems like maybe the wrong approach. Are there things we can do to mitigate this so we, we don't have the issue in the first place? Well, sure. 
look, up until now, we've told you how to resolve the conflict once you're in it, right? But the secret to not getting there is to talk to them earlier in the process, way earlier. And you can use the same basic idea, but you can just do this much earlier. And you basically say the same thing. You ask for help, you state your goal, you ask how you can help. In the invoice example, you know, we didn't speak to accounts payable until after the invoice was a month overdue being paid. Situation would have been different if we'd called the day the invoice was due and found out we have to fix a form with a department code on it, and then the invoice could be paid within a month rather than sitting on a pile of incompletes for six weeks because, by the way, in the most recent layoffs, accounts payable got cut more heavily than everybody else because with less people in accounts payable, we pay people more slowly and that helps us accumulate more cash overnight, right? We'd have even been more successful if we'd called as soon as we knew an invoice would be coming and found out if we submit before the 15th, the check run is on the 20th and our check would have been cut in a week. In fact, I'll tell you the first time I heard that, that companies don't cut checks every day when I was 22 or 25 or whatever, I was like, wow. You were stunned, right? You just, you just thought, yeah. yeah, exactly. It makes total sense. We don't want to be cutting checks every day, right? Uh, there has to be signature authority on the checks. We don't want the same person right. signing checks. And we want to give him time or her time to review all the checks, right? Yeah, and when you're 22, you were smart enough to say, oh, wow, is it in the positive? Well, okay, that makes sense. Well, you know, frankly, that's probably a pretty straightforward one. But there are other things that happen all the time in organizations. That to you, particularly if you're young, if you're tw- 22, 23, 25, 26, and haven't been in business all that long, that make absolutely no sense to you. Right. Believe me, to somebody, to the CEO, yeah. it makes absolute sense. Or somebody yeah. who's been in the business for 20 years makes absolute sense. Yeah. And, and no, we're not saying that every rule that you come across not only makes sense, but is the best possible rule for you right then. We know that's not the case. But believe me, the rule, the process that an internal organization has set up probably at one time was vetted across the organization, maybe when it was much smaller, and made sense and was effective and efficient. The fact that it's not serving you right now doesn't mean that the right course of action is to escalate, right? So look, working with people to get our goals accomplished is one of the ways we build relationships. And the better our relationships internally, the more likely we are able to bend the rules when we need to. You know, I, I tell people this all the time, that if you're a young manager and you don't know the value of relationships and you lean on your role power too much, you're going to be in danger when you have a shot at being an executive because what you will have developed is your role power, which doesn't do executives much good. It's all relationship power at the top. This is another one of those cases where you have a choice not to lean on your role power, not to say, do you know who I am, but rather to build enough of a relationship that you can get what you want. Because in the end of your career, it's all about relationships. It's not about the work you do. What if the relationship is through a web page. There's a lot of support sites now where you go fill in your request via the web, and there's really not an opportunity to, to do what you just described. Yeah, this is this is a simple case of, of building your network, right? It's an internal network. And I think several years ago, maybe as many as five years ago, we did a cast on knowing somebody in HR um, yeah. and in, in, in finance and in, in, uh, payroll and in IT. You need to know somebody in accounts payable, in security, in IT, in the mailroom, in HR, in legal, okay? You need a relationship. And I'll tell you, there's a number of times I've looked at a website and then called and said, uh, you know, there's a contact number. And I called after something happened just to make sure that everything was done and to find out who I could talk to. And I actually say, look, hey, Bob, 
every once in a while, I'm going to have a problem on this. Would you mind if I called you? And they almost inevitably say, no, it, it's okay. If you really need some help, if you're polite about it, if you're nice about it, if you say, thank you, I really appreciate your help, they'll say, yeah, call anytime you need something. Right? And there's a part of them, not all of them, not as many as on the outside of that internal support department, that are as just as motivated, that are, are just as frustrated that a website is between them and everybody else because they know they want to be able to help in a pinch. And sometimes a website can't do that. And even if they're not the person that you need to talk to to get your particular issue resolved, they can help you find the right person. They can yeah. make the introduction. They can help you get to the person that you need. Yes. And that's it. Look, it's simple, folks. Apologize first. It is not a sign of weakness, like the show NCIS suggests. It's not. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of respect. It's a way to get what you want. If you can mean it, if you're being genuine, apologize first. Tell them what you need and then ask, what do I need to do or how can I help to make sure this happens? That three-step process is full of questions, full of de-escalation. And it works. We've been doing it for years, and it works. And then finally, the strategic move is get to know people earlier, maintain your network, know people in those various departments you might need, and go earlier in the process and have people in your network that can help you when a glitch comes up. It's not rocket science, but it's these little things that are the grease that keeps us civil in our large organizations uh, and even mid-sized organizations in the world today. Yeah, keeps things civil and helps you get your job done. Exactly. It's always kind of nice. It's nice to be effective, yes. It's pretty cool. You can be nice and effective. Yes. How interesting. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you all again next week. In the meantime, check out the discussion forums on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, folks. See you next week. So long.